Hey everyone, it's Allison Jordan. We're just popping in to say we have our one day conference coming up on October 26th, 2024, and we're really excited about it. What's it called? Being a therapist in 2024, carving out a space to pause in a rapidly changing world. The day is going to be about acknowledging what it is like to be a therapist right now while learning and also connecting to other therapists. Everything you love about Edge of the Couch, but in person. And we're so excited to be meeting at the Jane headquarters in North Vancouver, not only because, as you know, we love Jane, but also because the venue space is so perfect for us. There's enough people that introverts can kind of do their own thing, you know, big enough that you can get lost in the crowd, but small enough that you can talk to every single person if you wanted to. Yeah, it's going to be a perfect mix intimate but yeah yeah it's gonna be really really great we'll also be there obviously so we'll be networking with everyone connecting with everybody welcoming you there on the day Uh, and we've said it a million times but we are so excited to meet you in person you can find tickets right now at eventbrite so you can go to eventbrite and search for edge of the couch or search for being a therapist in 2024 or you can find tickets through our link in our bio on instagram at edge of the couch pod And if you buy tickets before June 30th, we have an early bird pricing. There is a limited number of early bird tickets, though, so you might want to jump on that. As we've been planning this conference, Jordan and I have been reminiscing about attending the Evolution of Psychotherapy conference together when we were still students and how it was such a formative experience and it really cemented our friendship and we like so true. go back to that in our heads all the time yeah. and we shared such mm-hmm. special moments there. So uh, don't feel like you have to come alone, bring a friend, bring a classmate, come with your cohort. Um, we just love to see you there. See you there. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Jane, a clinic management software. Whether you're just starting to do your research or you've been contemplating switching your software for a while now, the Jane team understands that the process can feel intimidating. That's why their goal is to provide you with all the onboarding resources you need to make the switch as smooth as possible. Jane offers a personalized call to set up your account, a free data import, and a variety of online resources to get you up and running quickly. And if you need a helping hand along the way, you'll have access to unlimited phone, email, and chat support included in your Jane subscription. You know, Jordan, this is one of my favorite things that Jane offers because it makes onboarding a Jane or switching to Jane so easy. So if you, the listener, are interested in learning more, book a one-on-one demo at jane.app slash switch. And if you decide to make the switch, don't forget to use the code EDGECOUCH1MO, that's numerical one MO, to receive a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. And now on to the episode. Welcome to season six of Edge of the Couch. We are here to create a space to delve into the topics that were either shied away from or dismissed because they were too big, too nuanced, too risky, or too uncomfortable to talk about in school or even supervision. Edge of the Couch is not training or supervision. It is for student therapists, new therapists, and therapists wanting to continue to explore their evolving therapist identities and ways of working. When we are talking about clients, please know we are deeply committed to protecting client confidentiality. We are two passionate therapists and good friends sharing our personal opinions about the therapeutic process. Come join us at the edge of the couch. Hey everyone, welcome back to Edge of the Couch. I'm Jordan Pickel. And I'm Allison McCleary. And what are we talking about today? 
we are talking about the trend or theme that we're seeing mm. in the field of people leaving the field, either training to become therapists and then not staying in the field for very long, or um, just leaving the field at all. Mm-hmm. Being a therapist to not being a therapist for whatever reason. My original thinking was like people who've been here for a few, who've been in the field for a few years and have become disillusioned, which I think can be Mm. true at any stage of your career. But I think people get burnt out and then have this feeling of like wanting to leave. Um, But you were going from a place of like newer therapists who start and then go like, oh, this isn't for me or this isn't sustainable or I just want to do something else. And I think that that might be a good place to start. Very interesting for somebody to go through school, spend all of this time and money only to be like, this isn't I'm not doing me. this. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. noticing that in the kind of social media spaces, online, in even some of our listeners, right? We've heard from listeners. I was pretty close to leaving and listening to your podcast helps me to feel better able to stay. Mm. Or listening to your podcast makes me realize like this is not the work for me. Right. I think if I had to guess about why that's happening, well, there are a ton of interconnecting pieces – But I think that a big one is that to become a therapist enacts quite a big toll. Like it's a, you know, a long schooling process. Practicums are very stressful and unpaid. It's very expensive in some places. Certainly our master program was very expensive. And then you get out and you're kind of exhausted. You don't have any money for the most part, right? You really need to start working. You need to get the clinical experience, the clinical work. And you either join a clinic that is going to take a huge chunk of your individual income for kind of like the the right to be a part of the clinic. We have a Patreon episode entitled Eating the Young, uh, kind of all about the predatory practices that can pop up in those spheres. Or you join an agency. Pretty soon, I think, in most agencies, it's easy to get completely overworked mm-hmm. and to have your boundaries really stretched by either having too many clients on your caseload, by having kind of misaligned or inappropriate referrals on your caseload. So types of stuff that maybe you have no experience working with or training working with, but there you go. Level of risk might be really high. Mm. And I think these are all pieces that can lead to a feeling like not enjoying the work of being a therapist. For sure. Yeah. There's so many pieces, I think, around being in agency work or even group practices where, yeah, you have too many clients and you are being underpaid. You're asked to do all of these pieces of paperwork that really are unnecessary. And sometimes it's just like busy work for the sake of, I don't even know why sometimes in certain agencies where there's types of, um, then you got to fill out this form. Why? It's the same as the other form, but that's what we're asked to do. Something that you and I talked about before this is in some states, um, and I'm sure some provinces in Canada too, and across the world, there are hoops that you have to jump through, things that you were asked to do as part of your profession, like mm-hmm. legal responsibility to, for example, or like insur- for insurance purposes, come up with a diagnosis, for example, yes. like a, a diagnostic code. And those are things that in the location, like in our role here in BC, we don't have to do. So I'm also just acknowledging that that our specific parameters aren't where a lot of folks are working from. 
the whole field of therapy, it feels like so much of the field in therapy has changed since we graduated a decade mm. ago. Mm-hmm. The economy is completely different. Um, online programs have popped up. That wasn't so much a thing. Uh, you know, there was maybe one or two, but now there are so many more. What a dollar meant 10 years ago mm-hmm. is not what a dollar means now. Sure. And, you know, therapists that are feeling like they have to be therapists and also a brand online. Like there's just these very different expectations from what it looked like when we became therapists. And I love that we're acknowledging like all of those pieces because, you know, I think we worked really hard. And I also think becoming therapists for us um, was not as hard as it is now. Hmm. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Some of the other pieces that it made me think of when you were talking about that, one being not to sound like 50 million years old, but I think that younger therapists, younger people are understanding careers, like careers fit in a different way in their lives. Mm -hmm. One, life's short, so do what you want to do. But also, it's okay if work doesn't bring me purpose and meaning. Yeah. And that sometimes it's, it's the just biggest a job. thing in my life. And yeah. if I don't make, if I'm having to chase after insurance companies to pay me so little, and then sometimes they just don't pay me at all, and I need to pay rent, then it's like I can yeah. go serve. Like I can do something completely different that will make me money and it doesn't have to be this identity that I hold. That I think you and I, being in the generation that we are, it's very mm-hmm. much like, oh, you are your job. And like, yeah. The role that our work plays is very much intertwined with our identities. And I love that the Gen Zs of the therapy world are saying, like, not only is it okay if it's just a job for me, but also I don't want my job to be my whole life. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, like, sell myself to a corporation that's making Mm -hmm. money off my back, right? Mm -hmm. And so it it is an interesting shift. so there's something here around like capitalism and the the massive toll that capitalism takes from all of us when we exist in this system of like having to sell ourselves to make money in order to live. This is just how it works. It sucks, um, but this is what it looks like. And then there's also kind of this other piece around when we've taken therapy, which you and I believe is just this really beautiful thing, and we shove it into a medical model, and we try to give diagnosis quickly. We um, try to see people for as little time as possible in order to make space in our schedules for more people. When we try to see as many people as we can in a day, like all of these things that take what we love about therapy and make it this like commodity. Mm-hmm. When I'm a therapist, when I'm working in, and as I am, <laughs> that makes me be like, Ugh, I don't like yeah. the work as much when mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it in this way. When I'm thinking about it as I have to make money, which is just there, but I hate when it's like forefront. And mm-hmm. when it feels like only a medical model of approach, which in some agencies that I've worked at, it has felt that way. I mean, we've talked about it in, on other episodes where you can like work through the system and find your own ways. But you're right. So a lot of those spaces, it's like find a goal, mm-hmm. move toward that goal in the systematic way. And the goal itself is like this bloodless, like one <laughs> dimension. Like it's so yes. dimensional. It's a one dimensional thing that really doesn't have a lot of resonance for the person. Or maybe it does. But in terms of like the juiciness of the work, it feels so flat. Mm -hmm. in comparison to somebody's actual lived experience. So, yeah, can feel completely disconnected to the way that people are living. And to go off your point on capitalism, I think 
when you are living in a time and a place where these collective movements are happening, social change is needed, and you see that human suffering is so related to systems of oppression, mm-hmm. it can be real, or just like systems of a family, for example. Like it can be very difficult to work within an individual framework knowing that it's not the person that is the problem. I know. You're working with a child and you know that it's the parents or you're working with somebody and you know that it's the system within which that they're living. They are understandably not doing well. And what, you're going to help them adjust to that? You know? know? Right. So it's what is, I mean, I think sometimes our programs are a bit idealistic, which like I love. I love idealism. That is me in a nutshell. But then we step into the real world of the work and we see that like poverty Mm-hmm. And uh, gender inequality, the wage gaps between the like upper class, that one percent, and our clients who are not the one percent, that actually is what is getting in the way of my clients being well. And no amount of personal therapy is going to undo mm-hmm. that system. And that I don't know. There's tension there that we can bump into of like, am I complicit in the system? Which as therapists, I think we are, and we need to acknowledge our complicity in the medical model and in in I don't know, like selling wellness. Like there's weirdness around that, I think, to a degree. Mm-hmm. And I think COVID blew the lid off of the gaping holes that existed in the systems of care in North America, certainly. And now it's like, oh, there aren't enough supports for most people. Most mm-hmm. people would benefit from a lot more help in life that goes above and beyond what we offer in a therapy space. For now, sure. I still think that what we offer in a therapy space is like really great, but it's only part of the puzzle of wellness. It's not the piece that solves the problem. I think it's actually really helpful and important for us to talk about that, describe that to clients Mm -hmm. and can help us. Because I think when we go into a space of like, I'm going to help someone overcome oppression or overcome poverty. Yes. No, you're not. That's not how that works. And to hold how powerless we are to that and then to name it and then to say that to someone, I wish that we could overturn this for you. Like, I wish that we could upend this for you Mm -hmm. in this individualist venture of therapy. You know, we know that that's not how that works. So we can sit here together and imagine a different world, but also be in this relationship that can be really meaningful within these larger systems, right? So I do think that when I feel overwhelmed by some of these systems, I can go to a place of like this person sitting in front of me. And here we are two Mm. human beings being Mm -hmm. able to talk about what it's like to live at this current time and space. And that there's value to that. Yeah. Right. So if I've just graduated and I'm seeing these systems in a way for the first time and I'm feeling really discouraged, this is kind of the the way we can flip that of like staying in the work and staying in the relationship, Mm -hmm. always centering the relationship and being real with our clients, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. Like this is what we can get out of therapy. This is what therapy can't kind of change. Yep. Ooh, I want you to talk a little bit about some people who should leave the field. Oh, Because okay. you brought that up, and I think right. that's really interesting. Well, part of it is that when we were each taking our notes, and you were thinking about people who come into the field and then take one look and then are like, no, <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, this yeah. isn't for me. Um, but then there are folks who kind of leave 10, 20, 30 years, maybe 10 or 20, between 10 and 
maybe between five <laughs> and 20 years of being in the practice. Five and okay. 15. What do you think? What do you think? I don't like, know. After the, a chunk Most of time. people leave. They get ground down to nothing and then Ugh. have to leave for medical leave. Um, yeah, they're disabled because, now. Yes, because of the, chronically Ill. the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they just can't make ends meet based on the way that people are being paid out. And there are folks who get so burnt out and so cynical that they stay. They see, like you're talking about the medical model, they thrive in the medical model. They see people as objects. They see people as numbers. Yeah. I do think that even those people, we've talked about this on the podcast and sort of not debated, but had... Uh, maybe a, a small disagreement where I think that some people can be effective and be very disconnected with their role. <laughs> yeah, totally. I do. I think that those people should leave. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I nodded really aggressively. Like a very like, yes. emphatic nod, and it's like yes. I I I also think that some people who are very burnt out and cynical and see people as numbers can sometimes do good for example emdr sure sure Sure. i can agree with that (laughs) i can i do have this thought though i have this i have this internal sense of sometimes what makes me feel really sad is that the people who i think would make Mm -hmm. incredible therapists who are sensitive to the plight of their clients and who because of their idealism and desire for their client wellness, the field burns them out. Mm-hmm. Yep. My threshold for stress is lower because of this capitalism and medical model thing that then those people kind of get like bullied out a little bit or, you know, they get pushed out because they are so in tune with the pain of it. And the people who sometimes can stay in these broken systems, they almost like thrive on mm-hmm. – what is broken about it? And and I've seen that. I mean, I've seen people and met people who have been in the field for a long time and they are just out there. They just want to make money. The way that they talk about clients is so disconnected from their humanness. And this is true, I think, in all systems. I remember saying this about working in agency, that sometimes the people who thrived in agency were the ones who wanted the power. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of a pushing, shoving other people out of the way is how you get to the top within these agencies. And the people then who are at the top are the people who are good at shoving people out of the way. Sometimes the people who have been in the field a long time and are thriving in the systems are people who I think are a bit more like ruthless and benefit from what is broken. And when you say that some people who end up leaving would – make some of the best therapists. I think about folks who maybe don't fit professional, quote unquote, professional standards that don't see whether it's their identities or their personalities or their ways of seeing things aren't, they don't necessarily belong with their peers. Mm -hmm. And so whoever you are listening, if you feel like I'm talking about you, your perspective, who you are is so needed and their clients who would benefit from exactly what you are offering, from exactly who you are. Even if you don't look like any other therapist mm-hmm. in your approach, in yep. your body, in mm-hmm. you know your life story that you've ever met before. Yep. I love that we're landing on that because the people who don't fit the system, it's like we need more of that mm-hmm. in order to dismantle this system because yeah. it's not really working for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw a really interesting thing the other day too. Can I share it with you? Yes, I'd love to hear. 
I can't remember who said it to me. It may have been you, but I don't think it was. <laughs> I heard so, something brilliant the other day. Oh, wait, it was um, from, Oh, it, it was, was you. No. I, if it was you, then great job. Um, where someone was talking about how right now more therapists are graduating and going immediately into private practice than ever before. Was that mm. you? I don't know. Maybe. I don't think it was. Okay. I, rem- I feel that I was in a different space when I talked about it, but I don't know. And I think that is also really telling. Hmm. Not only is it the easiest it's ever been right now to start a private practice, not to like just always talk about Jane, but you can literally buy a monthly Jane subscription and that's your whole business. Mm-hmm. Done. One mm-hmm. nutshell, one, you know, one payment a month, whatever. You can be virtual, you know, you can be seeing clients anywhere in your state or anywhere in your province, whatever you're permitted to do. And so that thing around like needing to go into agency, which I'll be the first to admit for a long time, I used to say, I think everyone needs to go into agency first. Yeah, on and the then podcast. Go into private practice. I've said that. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that anymore mm. because of what I see now in agency and what has changed economically and the ways in which people in agency are sometimes and often treated. So, you know, it's good to get to a place where you can admit when you're wrong and learn and adjust our perspectives and ideas. So I have. But there's something here about people graduating or being in the programs and realizing that what exists for them on the other side in terms of options that are not private practice suck. Mm. The options are not great. I really set out to have a career in nonprofit work. Yes. Maybe when I got much older, I had this idea of going into private practice. That was never the immediate vision for my work. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of it was like starting to, I had a baby and I started doing the dollars and cents. Oh, I could make the same amount of money for working significantly less hours. Of the time. Yeah. And I yeah. want to be around my family more. And so that sort of became the initial reason why. But seeing the nonprofit model, I don't mean to like put people off of the nonprofit model because how else are people getting free counseling? I know. I you know. know. Yes. So I think that it is so necessary because these um, nonprofits are able through their funding to be able to offer free counseling. Mm -hmm. At the same time, these are folks who, again, are being seen when what they really need is housing. What they really need is universal basic income Mm -hmm. and are then coming for counseling because they feel depressed because they can't, you know. And so (laughs) it does feel sometimes like this piecemeal quilt situation where we're trying to catch people and i do think that people are can do some really good work at the same time it's hard not to be disillusioned when you see executive directors making a ton of money and then people who are making you know seeing 12 clients a day and are making bottom of the barrel and they are seeing Mm -hmm. clients who are really suffering and it really grates on your soul oh my gosh does it ever it's so I know I just keep seeing, saying the word dehumanizing, but it really gets at the part of you, at least I should speak for myself, it really got to the part of me that was drawn to the profession in the first place. It grates at that part of you that wants to help people, that wants to be in community. And it's, they yeah. play on that, like you've said. 100%. You care. So, you know, this person really needs to see someone. Can you get them in right away? And you're like looking at your yeah. hours being like, how? But yes, of course. I will take them in. You know, here's the intake. I have some of their story. I want to get them in because no one else will see them otherwise. And you don't have the capacity. That being said, can I switch? Just is there anything you want to say to like close that piece up? No. 
Okay. The only thing I had left on mine was just saying like, what lets, what are the things that would let someone know whether they should stay or not? Because that question mm. is asked of us a lot. So that might be something maybe we do a Patreon on or something. But something in terms of agency work, like when people Mm-mm. staying in the profession. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think a Patreon episode would be right. good on when to know. I also would just say you can always come back in. People come into the field when they're much older, but I would hate to lose you for one of these reasons. And I would hope yeah. that connecting with people, like-minded therapists like us, being able to be together and advocate for a different standard, whether it's like professional standards or ideas around capacity for clients yeah. a day is my sweet spot. Yeah. But I do want to take some time to also talk about how some people leave the field not because they're burnt out, not Mm -hmm. because they have childcare or they're disabled or they become caregivers and are instead because they grow beyond. Yeah. Beyond is maybe not the right word, but they shift they they age and they go into like i want to do other types of things like you and i have started a podcast they want to share more everything in the therapeutic work is typically in the four walls of the therapy office and Mm -hmm. to be able to talk to people about what you've learned so whether you're like a writer um or a speaker or you just want to maybe offer supervision and and mentor people younger than you. Yeah, I teach. think yes, teach uh, exactly. And so I th- or just do things that maybe because of your work in therapy you realize this is this is something that's going to give me meaning now. And yes. I'm just I'm going to leave my therapeutic work and I'm going to go to this other thing mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily like oh it didn't work out for me. Totally. And it's more like this is the next step in me being me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that we're saying there there sometimes we just grow into other things. And I also want to make it really clear because I don't know if we have that it's totally okay to graduate, work for a year, realize you hate doing therapy, realize you don't like the systems and not be a therapist anymore. While we (laughs) would love for you to stay and be our colleagues and be in the work and trying to dismantle the systems – I don't think it's ever worth sacrificing our personal sense of safety or wellness or health or integrity to stay when we realize it's not good anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of these like growing growing into different stuff that feels less shamey blamey. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the field, it's like, oh, they've gone on to go be an author or they're teaching now not doing therapy. But I want to extend that exact same like grace to the people who are just leaving because they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay to leave even if you're good at it. Yeah. And it's okay to leave even if there's a significant need. It's okay to leave even if your clients love you. Mm -hmm. That's really tough. And even if they say to you things like, I won't see anyone else. Mm -hmm. It's okay to leave. Uh, We don't want you to leave because we love the work. (laughs) We just get that question a lot from people. Mm. you know how did you know that you liked it how did you know that you didn't like it and Mm -hmm. I don't know I just would never want anyone to sacrifice themselves for the sake of a job when I think about myself and Mm. when maybe you can speak to your experience but when I think about myself I love doing therapy love it me too yeah when I have clients talking about how like no one likes their jobs it's very hard and I often do go like I do I love my job I actually really like my job but you're right most people don't a lot of people don't a lot of people don't and we do have a diversity in our work we do have a podcast we do 
talk online. Um, I do some writing. I do some speaking. I would love to do some teaching. You know, I've added some mm-hmm. psychedelic integration work, but to me, it's all within the therapy umbrella. So yeah. it doesn't feel like, you know, I've had people say that to me before. Like, I guess therapy isn't enough for you. And it's like, oh, to me, it's just like wanting to it's do all more the of stuff. that work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I yeah. can imagine when I look at my future, I would love to do more mentorship, some more, mm. some more supervision. Like I love doing supervision. I would Me love too. to teach. I would love to write a book someday. That's kind of mm-hmm. another thing that is a career goal of mine. Oh, well, you're definitely going to write a book um, But it <laughs> is, gonna you know, that's beyond the therapy room. And yet, yep. um, to me, that feels like it feels within the wholeness of being a therapist. And I, I love being a therapist. And I hope yeah. you do, too. And listeners. Yeah. I know you do, too. <laughs> I do. Yeah. 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 There is something really special. And we have a lot of privilege. Yeah, like there's no one telling us how to do therapy. There's no one telling us how many clients we have to see every day. There's no one saying like, hey, you didn't get your paperwork done and you're in trouble, right? Versus like, I do my paperwork at the speed that works for me Mm -hmm. versus like, this is due on this day. Oh, you have to do a service plan. And then every four sessions, you have to do a da-da-da. It's like that paperwork doesn't exist in my practice. Mm -hmm. So we do have a lot of luxury in the work that we do. Yes. uh, Which, again, like – I hope for all of you that you can find a way to work in that way so Mm -hmm. that you do feel empowered in doing the work and you can kind of do what feels right for you. Mm -hmm. But as new therapists, many of us don't have a lot of power. How are we wrapping up? Okay, what am I saying? I hope you love the work. And if you don't, that's okay. Another thing COVID did was put a tremendous amount of pressure on those in helping professionals. And we are still four years in kind of feeling that pressure of a changing world, a sick a, a sick world, right, with COVID and then everything that kind of came after it. And so if you are feeling the stress of it, the pressure, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 I hope that you can connect with other folks because I do yeah. think that we help each other be sustainable, like the collective – the collective in general, but even just us as a field, being able yeah. to hold each other up and say, like, this is the work that I'm doing and be seen in it. There's accountability, yeah. but there's also sustainability in being able to talk about our work, talk about the things that are hard, encourage each other, witness each other in the work so that it doesn't mm. feel like, oh, we do this work and it goes nowhere. Yeah, Like it goes with the clients. Yes. But then there's also this witnessing we have of each other of like, yeah, this is great work. Like you're doing such yeah. good work. And yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate all of you. I imagine Same. that those of you who are listening are doing some really good work. Oh, no question. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we want to know what you think. You can send us a message at Edge of the Couch Pod on Instagram. You can send us an email, connect at edgeofthecouch.com. Mm-hmm. You can join us over at Patreon. I'm just I'm gonna leave this chat and post a new episode over on Patreon right now where we put bonus episodes that kind of expose a bit more of our internal thinking. We share more of ourselves over there. And that's uh patreon.com slash edge of the couch. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Hey, this is Shelby from Jane, an online clinic management software and EMR. Here at Jane, we understand that switching clinic software can feel a little overwhelming. You're not alone. That's why with Jane, you don't just get a software, you get a whole support team dedicated to your success. 
With unlimited phone, email, and live chat support included in every Jane subscription, we're here with you every step of the way. You can also book a one-on-one account setup consultation to review your settings before going live. And to help make the move as smooth as possible, we offer a free data import from an experienced team. Our import specialists ensure that the data from your current software or filing cabinet is smoothly transferred to all the right spots. If you'd like some extra advice along the way, tap into a lovely community of practitioners, clinic owners, and front desk staff through Jane's community Facebook group. Head to jane.app forward slash switch to book a personalized demo. Or if you're ready to get started, you can mention this show at sign up for a one month grace period on your new account. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at connect at edgeofthecouch.com to tell us what you think, ask a question, or let us know what type of episode you'd love to hear. You can even send us a voice note for us to play in a future episode. You can support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, sharing the show with a friend, or supporting us on Patreon. Join us next time at The Edge of the Couch.